0: You're listening to audio from the Regenerate podcast, a ministry of River City Church in Lewiston, Idaho. For more information about Regenerate, visit RiverCityChurch.us. Hope you guys enjoyed that. It's not happening again. No, I'm just kidding. Um. anybody. How, anyway, how's everybody's? Uh, how's Christmas going for everybody? Yeah. Good. Is anybody dreading Christmas? Yes, I okay. Christmas, you hate the Christmas music? That's brutal. Uh, write, yeah, write your own. <laughs> oh, so the only I don't like is nobody ever makes anything different. It's the same exact songs every year by the same five people every year. That's true. Well, you know, my, Mariah Carey's album was pretty good, though, right? <laughs> but, oh, she did other people's. I'm just kidding. Reliant K put out a great Christmas record a, year, a number of years ago. <laughs> uh, so, uh Harry Connick, he's got a good album. He's got a good Christmas album. Personally, I'm a Bing Crosby guy. I'll go all the way back, 1945, White Christmas. If I'm going to listen to Christmas music, it's going to be old school. I'm fine with that. Anyway, um, but we'll get started tonight. So uh, if you guys brought a Bible, you can open it. If not, uh, no worries. Let me. So uh, one of the things that uh, we've started doing is we've been, um, each week, uh, what I want to do is kind of focus on one of the theological questions that you guys asked. And we're going to look at how um, Scripture addresses that. So we've been going through the book of Mark, and uh, we've been talking about the good news. Somebody say good news. The good news. The good news. And uh, there's, uh, Mark is filled with good news. He, he begins the gospel of Mark saying, the beginning of the good news, or the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. <clears throat> and so tonight, what I'm going to look at, uh, look at is the good news of signs. Sign, somebody say signs. You, ever, you remember that? You uh, remember that old? There was an old comedian years ago. It was like, "Here's your sign." Who <laughs> was that? It, uh, that was the those, like, the, was the redneck? The redneck. T- yeah, Bill Engvall. Yeah, Bill. Engvall. Bill Engvall. He did the whole. Here's your sign. It was like, if you're stupid, here's your sign that says "stupid" on it. And <laughs> so, and he'd make a joke about when he did something. Anyway, we're going to talk about uh, signs because the question that somebody asked uh, somebody asked a number of weeks ago when I had you guys write down a bunch of questions on index cards. Somebody asked the question, "Who is God? Who is God?" Like now, that's a big question, right? And in Regenerate, we do uh, hold to the Christian faith. We hold that the sixty-six books of the Bible, the Old and New Testament, are inspired by God. And so, if we want to learn about God, it's best to go to what He wrote or what He had written about Himself. So, um, the question is, "Who is God?" Now, I don't know about you, how how do you even begin to answer a question like that? Who is the all-encompassing? infinite creator being who is the origin of the universe and everything like that we could never possibly understand who's that you know the crazy thing is we have a book that actually talks about it um it's kind of interesting though um so it's at at christmas time i have two kids so um and my wife and i are trying to figure out you guys will come to this question eventually you have kids of your own uh the santa question like, do we do Santa or not? <laughs> right. This is this is like a great parenting question. I'm, we're crossing this bridge now. Going, do we do it? Do we do Santa, or do we like do we try to encourage like consumerism, where they're like, I just want Christmas presents every year, and they don't want anything else, or or do we like and try to tell them about the legend of Saint Nicholas, and he used to leave like doubloons or whatever in people's shoes, and like I I don't know, like, and then we're like, if you put your clogs out the front door, then maybe he'll come by at Christmas, you know, like I. I think it came from Turkey though, so I think it has nothing to do with clogs. It's just, yeah. Yeah. anyway, I, I, I mean, these are sort of clogs. These are these are hey dudes, which are like today's version of of clogs. Anyway, so um, so anyway, the what's interesting though is that the in the Gospel of Mark, there's a lot of people who saw things that Jesus of Nazareth did, right? And they had a hard time believing. Now, what's crazy though about kids, though, when we're talking about Santo, like kids have this amazing ability to have a deep faith in a jolly old elf who travels around the world in one night. I, 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 my daughter is asking me questions. Like one day she was like, "Papa," and I was like, what? She's bent over looking at the fireplace. She's like, how does Santa fit down those tiny holes? <laughs> like, cause she saw these little, cause we have a gas fireplace. And then she was like, wait, how does he get through the glass? Then like, once he gets in, does he go through the gla- glass? And I'm like, I don't know. And so my wife is like, what do we tell her? I'm like, I don't know. I've just been saying they say, <laughs> like, well, they say that he, I don't know. You can get through materials that normal people can't. I don't know. It's, it's magic, you know, It's magic. But kids are prone to believe in Santa as long as they get the thing, right? They get the presents. They get the thing from Santa that they wanted. Did anybody, okay. Did, first of all, did anybody here, did your family do Santa? Okay. Did you ever get disappointed by Santa? Did you ever, at what point did you stop believing in Santa? I'll tell you my story. I had, a, I had a friend who told me, she straight up told me that Santa wasn't real. She's like, I stayed up one one Christmas and I saw my parents putting stockings in there. And I was like, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I'll bet your parents work for Santa. They were, or they were just like doing it for him because he couldn't be there for some reason. She's like, no, that's the way it is. <clears throat> So I was, uh, obviously, I went to the all important, like the fountain of all knowledge, my older brother, and I asked him, (laughs) who was two years older than me, I was like, and at the time I was like, I don't know, I was getting, I was like five, maybe six, and I was just like, wait, no, maybe, I might have been a little, getting a little old for this, I was like seven, probably. Okay, I was 12, whatever. Uh, I was 20, no. Uh, I talked to my older brother. And I was like, is this true? And he's like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's true. And I was like, "No!" Yeah. So what did I decide to do with that knowledge? I decided to ruin my little brother's life. And I just told him the whole thing is a sham. I dropped all of it on him. I was like, Santa's not real. I mean, wh- while we're at it, let's just knock out the Easter bunny and the tooth fairy. All of them are fake. It's not real. He was devastated. But kids have this faith in Santa because they get what they want from him. It's interesting to me that a lot of people, they will believe in God. They will believe in the God of the Bible. They will trust in Jesus. They'll say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, as long as they get what they want from him. When I don't get what I want from Jesus this year, that's when my faith starts to erode. So who is God? I'm going to read out of uh, the Gospel of Mark <clears throat> chapter 11. So if you have a Bible or if you, if you have a phone, you can open up your UVersion app or whatever and, just, and, and take a look here. This is in Mark chapter 8. Uh, verses eleven through twenty one last time we were together when we were when we were making cookies and stuff, uh, by the way, how did the cookie giveaway go we, They were all given away that's fantastic that's amazing so um uh, that 's just a blast that you guys I, and I just want to commend all of you guys i don 't know this is a side note, but I just want to commend everyone here for being a part of that. I know that you weren't, but that 's okay that's you I know but <clears throat> I want to commend everyone here for being a part of that. It was such an awesome opportunity to do something simple for somebody, and I really hope. Uh, that you saw in this a simple way to communicate the gospel to somebody, to communicate to somebody that God loves them, to communicate to somebody that there's someone out there who cares for them. That's huge, especially in the Christmas season where rates of depression are sky high. Okay, People feel a lot more lonely around Christmas time, just statistically, and that's before we had a pandemic, okay? The statistics show us that. So when you reach out in love towards somebody else, it makes a difference. And not only that, but you are actually allowing God's light to shine through you. Jesus said that your deeds are like a city on a hill and it cannot be hidden, right? Your deeds, when you proclaim the name of Jesus, when you believe in him and you show somebody actual, legit love, that shows volumes of who Jesus is and who God is. Side note. So coming back to the text though, Mark 8. Jesus is speaking um, r- just before this, at the beginning of Mark chapter 8. Um, Jesus fed a lot of people. Now, you remember when we talked about the feeding of the 5,000, right? So in this story, though, is the feeding of the 4,000. So I, so Jesus had fed a crowd of 5,000 men, uh, and uh, not including the women and children. So there was a ton of people that he fed. It was this amazing miracle, possibly the largest, most public thing that Jesus ever did. Lots of people knew about it. <clears throat> but then... A while later, it says that he fed another group of people. And uh, he says, man, I have compassion on the crowd uh, because they've been with me now three days and they have nothing to eat. So they've been hanging out with him for three days. They got nothing to eat. And he says, well, and he says, what can we do for them? And then his disciples, this blows my mind. His disciples are with him. They were there like last week or whenever it was, like a Thursday ago when they saw him feed 5,000 people. And the question that they have is, well, how can, we, how can anybody feed people with bread here in this desolate place? I'm like, that is the stupidest question I've ever heard in my entire life. When you were there, you were there like a week ago when Jesus fed 5,000 people with five pieces of bread and, and two fish. Like, what, what is your problem? Anyway, they gave him, he said, how, and then Jesus, like with a, with a wink and a gleam in his eyes, said, how many loaves do you have? And they are like, seven. And he's like, have everybody sit down. And they're like, oh, yeah, I remember how this works. They sit down. He takes the loaves and he does the same thing. He rips them to pieces. He gives it to his disciples. They give it to the people. Everybody's filled full. Oh, and there's a few small fish. And he divides this among them all. And they all eat. And 4,000 people are satisfied. And there's seven baskets full of broken pieces of bread and fish. And then they set off for, um, and then he sends the people away because apparently he's not interested in the publicity, gets in the boat, and they sail across the the lake to the other side. And that brings us to Mark chapter eight, when people confront him and and begin to question his identity. It says this, Mark chapter 8, verses 11 through 21. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now, they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, beware, he said, he said, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. But Jesus, and Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves from the 5,000, how many baskets, full broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12? And the seven loaves, for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, Seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, uh, as we look into this scripture, I pray that you would open our eyes and ears to hear what you want us to hear. To expl- God, we want you to explain to us whatever it is that you want to explain to us. We love you and we're, we're grateful for your grace tonight. And I ask that your Holy Spirit will work here in Jesus' name. So let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer in whom we trust. And everybody who trusts in Jesus said... <clears throat> All right. So Jesus is approached by Pharisees. And they begin to question him and they say, Show us a sign from heaven. Show us a sign from heaven to test him. And uh... so basically... <laughs> When you come to Jesus and you're confronted with this person who, declare, who claims to be God or who appears to be God, you have two options. It's like believing Santa. You have two options. One is skepticism and the other is faith. And there's, you know, there's variances in between. It's sort of like a, you know, it, it's, a, it's a continuum, right? There's a, there's a spectrum. There's people who are skeptical who still have moments of faith and things that are unseen. There's people who are very, like, faith-filled and devoted who also have moments of skepticism. But those are your basic two options. So option one, skepticism. Let's talk about that. Uh, who is God? Well, Jesus begins to uh, be confronted by these people. But skepticism, it, these people are skeptical of him. And skepticism it empties life of meaning. It, seeks, it empties life of meaning by applying unrealistic measures to understand meaning. It, it's sort of like uh, skepticism is like using a ruler to try to, to, to say that, oh, the stars don't exist. Why? Because I can't measure the distance with this ruler. Just because you can't do it with the ruler that you have doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, right? But a skeptic, is, uh, but a skeptic has a spirit of hopelessness. A skeptic is somebody who, uh, they may have legitimate questions, but when you stay there, when you stay living in that space, it doesn't tend to produce a life, uh, fi- a life that's filled with joy or hope. So these Pharisees, they are teachers of the Jewish law. They want a sign from him. They're like, show us a sign from heaven. Show us a sign from heaven. And that word there is, and it says that they were trying to trap him. The word there is perazontes. And it's a, it's a Greek word that means to trap somebody or to attempt something. Now, uh, and Mark uses it four times. But this is what I thought was interesting when I was studying this. When it comes to people putting Jesus to the test, in the, in the New Testament, there are only three kinds of people that did this. One was Satan, one was the Pharisees, and the other was the Herodians. Okay, so Satan was, is the accuser, the spiritual, like, God hate, like ultimate God hater. Then you have the Pharisees who were religious, and they believed that the only way that the Messiah would come to Israel is if everyone acted perfect. So we have to pretend like we can keep all the law, and we need to add more laws to it, and we need to keep 600 plus of them, and we need to live our lives perfectly. Then God will come to the world. They believed in the prophecies that said a Messiah would come, who would set Israel free and would change the world and establish God's kingdom forever. But they were like, we have to be perfect for that to happen. Then there was the Herodians. Herodians were basically like they were a family, but also a political group that basically sided with Rome, sided with the imperial agenda. And they were people who believed that uh, the kingdom of God was sort of a thing of the past. And I mean, can't, can't we move past that? And they were, Uh, very uh, given over to the ways of the world, pretty much. They were very irreligious, uh, whereas the the Pharisees were very religious. But it's interesting, too, that the Herodians, later on in the story, are going to play a role when they question Jesus, too. So the irreligious people question Jesus. Here, we have a religious party. But it's interesting. They probably, they think they're in the right because they're going, if you really are the Messiah, just before this, they had seen his disciples and they were not washing their hands. And this is not just like, oh my gosh, it's COVID, you should wash your hands. They were wa- they were not washing their hands in a ceremonial way, which they believed was important in order to, for God to be pleased. So that, so your, your disciples don't even wash their hands. They don't hold to the law. You eat with tax collectors and sinners, right? Mark, chapter, that was in uh, chapter two, right? You eat with tax collectors and sinners. Your disciples don't wash their hands. Nobody's acting right. And you're supposed to be a candidate for the Messiah. Okay, I want to see a sign from heaven right now. I want you... An, Who knows what the sign was, right? But the sad thing is that they didn't see the signs. See, they couldn't believe a lawless man like Jesus could be the Messiah. Now, they believed that this miraculous sign would prove his worth. But he's already given so many. He just got across the lake from feeding 4,000 people with seven pieces of bread and a few fish. That's insane. And I'm sure, it is is certain that they would have heard word of this. They would have heard word of his miracles. They would have heard of him raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. They would have heard uh, the story of the woman who was bleeding and Jesus healed her. They would have heard of the leper who had been cleansed. They would have heard of the demoniac over uh, in the region of the Gerasenes who had been delivered from demonic uh, powers. They would have seen all this stuff and heard of all this stuff. And they're going, show us a sign. Are you kidding me? But that's what a spirit of skepticism does. It's pessimistic. It's, it's a spirit that will grip you so much that you get to the point where you're just like, if I see a sign, then I'll believe it. And Jesus is going, I don't need to give you a sign. I love this though, because while they're saying, give us a sign, give us a sign. I love the fact that Jesus says he's. these are some of my favorite words in the in Mark's Gospel. He sighed deeply in his spirit. That is a good, deep, exasperated sigh. That is like a, Oh <sighs> <sighs> ah, That's right here when I hear a sign deeply in your spirit. Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit. And then he goes, why? Why does this generation seek a sign? No sign is going to be given to this generation. You guys suck, <laughs> basically. Like I, He's like, no sign is going to be given to you. Do you not understand that? Because... Because they're not paying attention to the fact that all these signs have already taken place. He's feeding the hungry. He is healing the sick. He has released the tongue of a man who could not speak. He's cleansed people of leprosy. He is bringing the kingdom of God. They're watching the prophecies of Isaiah unfold right in front of their eyes. When Jesus stood up in Luke chapter 1, it says that Jesus stood up in front of the people in his hometown. And he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to set at liberty those who are enslaved, to, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God. Jesus, is, Jesus quotes from Isaiah there. Actually, he didn't say the vengeance part, my bad. But he did say, this is the day of the Lord. He's like, the spirit of the living God is upon me. I'm the one. And he says, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And then he goes and starts to do the things that Isaiah prophesied about. And still these people don't believe him. So then we have to look at the other option, right? <laughs> Because it's really, if you look at the Pharisees, can you honestly look at these these religious people, these narrow, angry, self-serving, self-righteous people? Can you honestly look at them and then go, yeah, I want to live like that. I want to be a Pharisee. I want to wear tassels. I want to only eat kosher. I want to hold my record above other people's and look down my nose at other people. Because when you are... You can be religious and still be skeptical about Jesus. There's going to be something about him that, that offends you. The fact that, and you can tell who people are that are offended by Jesus when they get offended at, like, at the people that are following Jesus. I don't like that person. I'm not going to associate with them. I don't want to go to that church. I don't like the way that they just like welcome everybody. I'm not going to go to this church. No, I don't hang out with those people. They put walls up. So I, what's the other option? Faith. So faith, whereas skepticism is ignoring all signs, faith is looking where the signs are pointing. So Jesus gets into the boat. He moves forward. Hi there. Um, he moves forward. And so Jesus, and he, he gets in the boat, and he's sailing across, and he's sitting there, probably still exasperated, still like, oh, and then they're just like, and then he uh, says to them, you know what? <clears throat> Guys, watch out for the leaven of, Pharaoh, of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Interesting word. The word leaven there refers to yeast, right? Um, has, anybody, does any, has anybody here ever made bread before? Yes? Okay. What is yeast for? <clears throat> right. Rising the bread, right? Use it to raise the dough. How much do you need for a loaf of bread? Teensy weensy bit, right? A little bit of bread leavens the whole lump of dough, right? And this, that's why. Almost, right? A little bit of leaven, a little bit of yeast. A little bit of leaven. A little bit of leaven, a little, little bit of yeast will leaven the whole dough. Now, uh, the whole lump of dough. So he says, uh, so he warns his followers against this because he says, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, it's interesting because the Herodians weren't here. But earlier in the gospel market, it was clear that the the Pharisees were already teaming up with the Herodians. This is like a hardline, godless, atheist, liberal, teaming up with a hardline, conservative, Trumpy, like, Hyper Christian over here and they're joining forces because they're like one thing we can agree on, right? Yeah, we hate Jesus. Yeah, we don't like him. I don't, I don't like I don't like him because the one guy's like, I don't like him at all. He doesn't stand for family values or anything like that. I've seen him eating with a tax collector and the other one's like. Yeah, and I don't like his whole, like, I'm the, like calling himself the son of man kind of stuff. Like, isn't that, like, trying to, like replace, like, replace our government? Like, that's kind of, like, anarchy and stuff. And honestly, we should be trying to keep peace in society. So, like, they were teaming up against him, and he says, watch out for them. And they're like, "Now they're probably like you. If you heard Jesus say that, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and the east of Herod. you would be like, right. Is it because we didn't bring any bread? <laughs> like, they, 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 they're, they're looking around, they're like, Hey, hey, Simon. Hey, A- Andrew. Is this your boat? Yeah. Did you bring any bread? No. This is like, oh, dude. There was so much left over, right? We should have like grabbed some when we were back over on the other side, right? Yeah, I didn't. And Jesus is like, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, well, all dumb. <laughs> They'll get them all stupid. And they're like, well, we thought, I don't know, we we, we thought you were talking about bread. And he's like, no. And I, <sighs> I, I love how exasperated Jesus gets with this because these are the guys that he loves. These are his friends. And he's like, no. I'm, that, he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Leaven of Herod. He says, do you not yet understand? Are your eyes? And, and I love this because the, that word yeast is really interesting. It's used as a, as, a, in the, as a word picture in the New Testament to refer to something influential. And so, and actually, uh, Luke actually is the one who actually um, explains this. Um, and uh, actually, sorry, Matthew is the one who explains this, Matthew 16, 12. He says that the yeast refers to teaching the things that they taught. So he's saying it's their philosophy. It's it's the things that they teach. That's what you need to avoid. Um, Now, Matthew clarifies that, but the disciple, I love that Mark leaves it out because his gospel is probably earlier than Matthew's. And so he doesn't put as many interpretive things in there like, oh, this is what Jesus meant. He just like says what Jesus says and then lets us sit with it and makes us feel as stupid as the disciples do. So he's like, "Um," okay, so he's like, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of political skepticism, politically driven skepticism, Beware of religiously driven skepticism. Those philosophies, those teachings will poison the way that you think. It will affect the way that you live your life. It will affect the way that you love other people. And it will affect the way that you see God. And so then he talks to his friends. He's like, you guys have been following me. And he chastises them for not paying attention. In fact, he says, are, your, he's like, are, are you guys hard? Of, are you guys unable to see? Are you guys unable to hear? And now that's kind of insulting when you think about it, because he's actually quoting from Jeremiah 5.21 and Ezekiel 12.2, which were passages that referred to God's people being blind and unable to see. And they were like, whoa, whoa, we're we're not like that. We're not like the people back then who were like idolatrous and stuff. And we follow God and stuff. He's like, but you don't get it. You're not seeing this for what it really is. And then, and I love the way it ends. He says, verse 21, do you not understand? And then it switches to a different story. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, he says, do you not understand? (laughs) He says, do you not understand, right? Do you not understand? Don't you get it? Now, I don't think that Jesus is saying... Now, keep in mind, we would say this out of a spirit of cynicism and out of a spirit of just, like, uh, irritation. I don't think Jesus is saying that. He's saying this out of a place of love because he's going, I've been showing you guys this thing, these things. Can't you... Do you see what I'm pointing at? And And if we're honest with ourselves we have to acknowledge this, that our hearts are just as darkened as the disciples. In fact, it makes it clear in in places like in the book of Romans where it talks about uh, the fact that we are darkened in our thinking. We, We are unable to see who God is. We're unable to see it. We're unable to see the signs. The disciples want to see the signs. They like the signs. They like the miracles, and everybody does. Everybody likes the magical things that God does. Everybody likes presents at Christmas, and when Santa gives me what I want, I'm good with it. But the Pharisees didn't want to believe that. And so they're like, well, we don't want to be like the Pharisees. But also, we don't understand what's going on. So what do we need? If we want faith, but we can't seem to have it, I can't seem to grasp it, what do we need? Who is going to open our eyes? How are we going to see who God really is if we're really going to answer that question? You know what you need? You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. Because you are darkened in the, in the eyes of your mind. You're blind, that means you're blind, you're unable to see. The Bible also says that you're dead in your sin apart from him. So that means God himself actually has to come into the picture. That's why in John 6, 35, he's saying, do you not see how many baskets do we have left over? Like 12? And, and Jesus, of course, he knows all this kind of stuff. He's like, 12, that's a symbol of the 12 tribes of Israel. That's the uh, representation of my interaction with my people. How many baskets were left over when I fed 4,000 people? Seven people. Seven is the number of God. Do you not see? This is about God interacting with his people. Don't you get it? What he was saying is what he eventually comes to say explicitly in John 6, 35, which is, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. If you're hungry, come to me. If you're thirsty, you come to me. You don't go to some philosophy. You don't just go to pop psychology. You don't just go to drugs. You don't just go to to sexual fulfillment. You don't just go to to philosophical mumbo-jumbo on the internet. You don't go to the stupid tarot card readers on TikTok. You go to me. You go to me. I am the bread of life. And the only one who can actually reveal that to you is the Holy Spirit. That's why he said in John 15, 26 that you need the Holy Spirit because he will lead you into all truth. Because when you catch the signs of who God is, you'll be be struck in wonder at it. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And he doesn't always just explicitly show up in your life. We want God to show up in our life and do a miracle. But let me tell you about a miracle That was also a sign because what Jesus was saying is these miracles are not just for the benefit of these people. These miracles I'm performing are a sign and they are pointing to who I am. Do you believe in me or not? Do you not yet understand? So let me tell you about one other sign that wasn't missed. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. if, you've, if you know the Christmas story, the shepherds heard that message, they followed the sign and they found the baby. And, that bit, and what's amazing to me is the signs are pointing not to a great, huge, miraculous God who solves all of your problems, but a great, big, miraculous God who made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant. He was born in a place that was filled with cow crap. He was born in a place where they laid him in a place where, where animals ate. And that is how the King of Kings was brought into the world. And, but that wasn't even his most humble state because years later, he didn't even get a swaddling cloth. He was stripped naked. He was nailed onto a cross. He hung there for six hours. And when they were, as they were crucifying, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. They don't see the signs of who I am. But three days later, After being crucified, he got up with all power in his hand and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And one of the great things about Christmas is we're not just talking about the day that Jesus came. We're talking about the day that Jesus is going to come. That is going to be a far greater day than Christmas Day. It's going to be the best Christmas that we've ever had. Second Christmas. Christmas times two. Let's go. That is where the signs are pointing. Are you following the signs? Are you going to remain in skepticism or are you going to look in faith at the signs that God puts in your life? Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus will do things for you. Jesus feeds the 4,000. G- yes, Jesus will chop it up even with the religious folks like Pharisees. But at the end of the day, Jesus wants to invite you into a relationship with his friends where he can, like, as friends where he can say, do you understand? Do you see? That's not just a con- that is not a condemning question, actually, when you think about it. It's a hope it, it, it is a hopeful question. It's going do you see do you understand do you so that's the question for you tonight do you understand who Jesus is Jesus is God. That's the bottom line. We believe that God is three in one but that the second person of the godhead is Jesus Christ, the son of God, begotten from before the time uh, uh, begotten not made, he was not created by God, he is God. And he put on human flesh and came to be one of us so that he could experience our hardships and so that he could take on our burdens so that when we believe in him, our lives are changed because we displace our sinfulness and our skepticism and our cynicism and we put it on his shoulders. And he takes that burden from us and forgives us and he gives us a new life and a new way to look at things. That is a good Christmas gift. Amen. So... Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Regenerate Podcast. And if you enjoyed our content, please feel free to subscribe. If you have any questions or would like to send us feedback, send us an email at regeneratelcse@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Regenerate. Changing the world for Jesus, one person at a time.